Hi, this is Ian Wolfe, producer, host and writer for Diffusion Science Radio. I need your support. You can support Diffusion by downloading a free Audible audiobook from audibletrial.com science. Just for getting you to try them out, Audible will pay me a small reward. Or you could click on an Amazon link on diffusionradio.com and Amazon will kick a few percent of what you pay them my way. Please, make a donation directly with the PayPal button on www.diffusionradio.com. Diffusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro-seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, crowdfunding exploration of the galaxy. But first up... Here's the news. The Australian Museum Eureka Prizes reward excellence in the fields of research and innovation, leadership, science communication and journalism, and school science. The University of Sydney Sleek Geek Science Eureka Prize for School Students is awarded for a short film that communicates a scientific concept in an accessible and engaging way. The Sleek Geeks themselves are science communicators par excellence, Karl Kruchelnitsky and Adam Spencer. Entries took the form of a one to three minute film that told a real scientific story, which may be a scientific concept, discovery, invention or the producer's own scientific hypothesis. In the secondary school category, first place was won by Paige Beebe from Ivanhoe Girls Grammar School in Victoria for her film, The Secret of the Appendix. Throughout history, human understanding of the appendix has been limited to the knowledge of painful inflammation that requires urgent surgery. In The Secret of the Appendix, Paige explains that the appendix does much more than we give it credit for and is a vital component of a healthy gut. It's time to spread the word about this misunderstood organ. Paige's grandfather is Professor Barry Marshall, who won a Nobel Prize for discovering the bacteria causes stomach ulcers. If you watch the video closely, he has a silent cameo in the film. Here's Paige's little sister Miller, who stars in Paige's film. For most of history, humans have had no idea what the appendix was for. Most people think it was once used to digest grass, and others say it does nothing. But recently scientists have discovered that the appendix has played a vital part in our digestive system. Unfortunately, most people still don't know what the mysterious organ really does, so have a closer look. The appendix is a thin tube that sits in the lower part of the large intestine, and is most known for its tendency to become inflamed and painful, also known as appendicitis. If you have appendicitis, it means an emergency operation, as once this little organ becomes swollen and infected, it can even burst, releasing bacteria throughout the abdomen. Our gut, and particularly our large intestine, are home to millions of bacteria, but not the kind that make you sick. These are known as beneficial gut flora, and as the name suggests, 
These good bacteria help us digest our food and keep our gut healthy. With a bad infection causing lots of diarrhea, all the gut flora in our intestines is flushed out. Here's where our appendix comes in. The shape and position of the appendix makes it ideal as a reservoir of healthy bacteria to repopulate the gut after these episodes. This means the digestive system can get things back to normal very quickly. Think of a bushfire. It can burn down a whole forest, wiping out all vegetation, but there will still be a reservoir of seeds under the ground that will germinate and re-establish the flora of the bush, returning what was a sterile landscape into a healthy, growing environment. This was first proposed in 2007 by scientists at Duke University. Another study at Winthrop University Hospital discovered that patients who had their appendix removed were four times more likely to have gut problems following diarrhoea. It has since been backed up by research saying it is the most evolutionary likely theory. Even though people can easily survive without an appendix, in developing nations where sanitation, food hygiene and clean water are not always available, gut infections are still a problem. There, the appendix still serves its silent purpose. Pass the word around and hopefully the reputation of the appendix, one of the body's most misunderstood and underestimated organs, can be restored. Ah, can we cut? How'd the surgery go? Is everything okay? The surgery went really well. There weren't any complications, but I had a chat to the specialist and he wants you to remove all grass from your diet. Second place in the University of Sydney Sleek Geek Science Eureka Prize for Secondary School Students was won by Luke Carter and Taylor of St Aloysius College, New South Wales for his film Why Are Concussions Bad For You? Luke's film Why Are Concussions Bad For You? explores the serious topic of sports injuries to the brain. Using claymation, Luke describes the structure and function of the brain and explains the potential consequences of a knock to the head, which can include injury, permanent brain damage, or even death. Here's Luke. The brain can be described as having the consistency of gelatin. It is a very soft organ. It does not have a tough outer layer, so the body protects it by placing its own fortress of bone around it, the skull. However, with all the movement the average human head will endure in the day, the risk of the soft brain squashing against the sides of the hard skull is too high. So it is cushioned in three different layers of protective membrane the pyre, arachnoid and dura matter which is lined along the inside of the skull. This provides excellent protection for the brain. It allows you to look down, jump, run, spin around and so on without damaging the brain against the walls of the skull. However, every protection has its limits. A heavy blow to the skull can put enough momentum on the brain for it to crash violently into the sides of the skull and thus being damaged by the very thing that is protecting it. This is called a concussion. A concussion causes brain cells to stretch and tear, altering the electrical and chemical balance critical to cell function and communication. This puts the cell in a highly stressful state, leaving it unable to function properly or even survive. Microscopic fraying and tearing occurs in the membrane surrounding the brain, 
These membranes are responsible for cushioning the brain that also play a part in keeping out free radicals. Unstable molecules responsible for inflaming of the skin after an injury and also cell death and tissue damage. In the event of a concussion, the body immediately sends an array of specialized immune cells. These come from the brain and the blood to patch and fill in the frayed membranes. However, this process is too slow. An excess of free radicals break through the weaker parts of the membrane and migrate into the brain, where they cause a death of brain cells, far from the original impact site. Third place in the University of Sydney Sleek Geek Science Eureka Prize for secondary school students was won by Tom Downey and Harry Bebbington from Warrandyte High School, Victoria, for their film, Gravity Sucks. Tom and Harry explain gravity, what it is and what it does. Einstein's theory of general relativity and Newton's force law are explained by this talented duo in their entertaining Gravity Sucks rap. Here's Tom and Harry with Gravity Sucks. The weak force that causes radioactivity. Radioactivity and smoke alarm saves lives. Smoke alarm! Strong nuclear force that keeps atoms together. The electromagnetic force that links electricity and magnetism. Gravity, which is the weakest force. But it forms stars planets and galaxies. Isaac Newton wants to know why apples fall. It's because gravity sucks. About 350 years ago, Newton said that mass causes gravity. We calculate the force with this equation. G is a very small constant number. These are two masses in kilograms. This is the distance in meters squared. Gravity keeps our moon in orbit instead of shooting off into space. It causes different masses to fall at the same rate. Gravity causes weight. I wish I was weightless. That can't happen because gravity fills the whole universe. But if you are freely falling, you appear weightless. Watch the scale when I drop it. That's called apparent weightlessness. Oh, so that's what's really happening to astronauts in space. This is where it gets really weird. Almost a hundred years ago, Einstein published his theory of general relativity. It was about how gravity affects space and time. Mass bends space just like this ball. This causes what we call gravity. The planet wants to go straight, but space is curved so it orbits around. Mass also affects time. Time! Strong gravity makes time. One second on this satellite is slightly longer than one second on Earth. A black hole has gravity so strong that not even light can escape. If you orbit a black hole for one year, hundreds of years will pass on Earth. This means when you get back, you have travelled hundreds of years into the future. The future. Gravity sucks us down, keeps us firmly on the ground. Newton, Einstein, very smart, that's equations where there are. Apples fall, stars collide, weakest force, but you can't hide. Gravity bends time and space, the stars are the human race. Einstein came, walked down mines, 
shirt that we could go through time. Future travel. We're in luck. All because... I'll embed all three films on the DiffusionRadio.com page for this episode. A big thank you to the Australian Museum, Sydney University, Paige Beebe, Luke Carter and Taylor, Tom Downey and Harry Bebbington. Congratulations to all of you. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Professor Michael Burton is from the School of Physics at the University of New South Wales. He's an astronomer who studies molecular clouds and star formation. He's collecting enough money to run the MOPRA telescope using crowdfunding. I began by asking him, what does MOPRA mean? Well, indeed, I use the MOPRA telescope. MOPRA is a radio telescope. MOPRA doesn't actually mean anything. It's just a name. It's the name of a great big rock. It's a volcanic plug on the side of the uh, Wollongongles National Park, a spectacular rock, and MOPRA is simply named after that rock. It's a, there's, a, there's a property there called MOPRA 2, but it's a very beautiful location. It's a 22-metre radio telescope uh, on the edge of uh, Wollongongles National Park, just at the foot of Siding Spring Observatory, where all the optical uh, telescopes are. What do you observe there? Well, the MOPRA radio telescope is designed to do what's called millimetre wavelength astronomy. So millimetre wavelengths are wavelengths of a few millimetres in size, as you might imagine from the name, and those come from molecules in space. So the interstellar medium, the, the stuff between the stars, it's full of gas, it's full of dust, and in fact they're full of a lot of molecular clouds, giant clouds full of molecules from which stars form. And these molecules are rotating around, they're spinning around, uh, and they give off emission lines, spectral emission lines, and these come out in the millimetre wavelengths. So essentially we're observing molecules in space with the MOPRA telescope. The funding has changed for MOPRA. Uh, yes, it is. So the MOPRA telescope has been a part of the CSIRO Australia Telescope National Facility. Uh, and unfortunately, CSIRO's resources are basically badly stretched. They don't have the resources any longer to keep running the MOPRA telescope. They've had large cuts to their budget. And as a result, they've had to cut back on what science they can do, what facilities they can keep open. And MOPRA is the smallest of the radio telescopes they operate. And it's unfortunately, even though it's a telescope which is working extremely well, it's very productive, it's completely automated, unfortunately, because of the, the, the budget situation they're in, they've had to essentially sacrifice it and it's going to be closed at the end of this year. But there's a plan to save it. That's right, there's a plan to save it. So essentially, we're trying to go for essentially external funding. And it can no longer be funded through the CSIRO's own funds. And we've launched a crowdfunding campaign. So this is a crowdfunding is really a, it's a new experience for us all. Crowdfunding, I don't think, has been used to try and support research infrastructure before. And essentially, it's about enthusiasts, uh, people who are keen on science, coming together, all giving small donations, and you pull those small donations, and you basically raise the funds that way. So it's kind of looking to the public to, to help you support the operation of the facility. And this is happening on the Kickstarter platform? Ah, uh, That's indeed the case. We're using uh, kickstarter.com, which is just one of several crowdfunding platforms out there. Um, it's probably the biggest and certainly the best known. But essentially, yes, you, you make your own campaign up. The way it works with Kickstarter is that they provide you a platform. It's a web page. And essentially, you have to make your own case. So you, you go to the web page, and we start off with a video. We've made our own home-produced video. 
and that tells you about the Mopper telescope and it tells you about the project we're trying to do and of course it, it asks you for your donation. That's the kind of the way crowdfunding works. And what's the essence of your appeal to the public of why this is important? Uh, indeed, that's a very good question. So we're doing this, we're doing blue sky research. We're not trying to promote the commercialization of science. So indeed, there's a lot of high-tech equipment involved. But it's simply the exploration uh, of the unknown. We are explorers. We're explorers of the interstellar medium. It's a bit like the ancient, uh, say, Captain Cook when he sailed the globe mapping the Earth discover the east coast of Australia. We're kind of doing the same thing now with interstellar space. We're now making the next best map of our galaxy. With the Mopper telescope, we can chart the distribution of the clouds of molecular gas. We can chart them with a greater fidelity than anyone's done before. And essentially, we're midway through making the next great map of our galaxy. And we're trying to finish it, basically. We want to finish it before the telescope gets closed. And do you have different levels of support? Kickstarter often has multiple levels with different reward systems and all sorts of ways of encouraging people to donate. Yes, that's exactly how it goes. So Kickstarter essentially is a platform there and we, we ask for funds, but we give rewards to you depending on, on the level of the donation. Of course, it's up to you whether you want to take the reward or not. It's entirely voluntary. We start from $2, which is essentially just an acknowledgement. We go up $10, $50, $100, even $500 and $1,000. We've had some people go for that. So we start off with essentially the small, smallest ones. You'll get a postcard from us, a postcard with Mopfa. If you go up to a slightly higher, you can get a T-shirt and a mission patch. We're also sponsoring a molecular cloud. We're mapping and charting these new molecular clouds, and we can tell you about ones. We can actually let you sponsor a cloud. We'll tell you where it is, how far away it is, and indeed how massive it is. And then we go up the final, the larger rewards will actually come and let you, for instance, do a, uh, we'll do a virtual Skype session. We can give a, a, an education lesson. We can give you a, a training lesson in the telescope for some of the larger, larger rewards where you can actually see us using the telescope in, in, in real time. We, the whole telescope, in fact, is run completely automatically. So we can give you a virtual lesson where you kind of watch us and see what's, see what's happening. And uh, so there's many different ways. And essentially, it's all about helping, participating, coming along for the voyage of exploration. We're actually asking you to be an explorer with us, exploring the Milky Way galaxy. It sounds like it'd be great, particularly at the high levels, for classrooms to be involved. So is, is any of this also aimed at school children? Well, yes. I mean, we actually have several, several people have actually taken up the offer for a virtual classroom session. So that's exactly it. We're here we will actually be able to talk. We can use Skype. We, we're not going to be able to actually physically go to classrooms and, unless they happen to be very close to us, of course. But we can physically go with Skype. We can make a presentation and we can talk to a classroom. That's one of the things the Internet lets you do these days. It does let you reach out to an audience anywhere in the world. And indeed, we're getting support from all over the world. It's not just in Australia. Of course, most of our support is, is local from that point of view. But we are getting support from every continent in the world. Someone has put their hand up to, uh, to help us so far. And if people want to have a look at your Kickstarter campaign, what's it called on Kickstarter? Well, yes, if you go to kickstarter.com, that's the website, it's called Team Mopfa. One word, Team Mopfa. Or, in fact, you can go the other way. We have a blog. We keep a blog. It's called mopfa.org, mopfa, M-O-P-R-A. And if you go to the blog, you'll find links to the Kickstarter site. And you'll also find lots of uh, commentary, discussions about what we're doing. You can actually learn about what it's like to actually do research and the activities and some of the things that happen, some of the things go along the way. It's probably quite different to the way you expect research to be done. But our blog keeps you up to date with some of the exciting things going on as we, as we try to keep the survey going. 
Well, let me just tell you what it is we're trying to, to do with MOPFA. So we're making this new map of the galaxy. It's the what we call the fourth quadrant. That's the southern Milky Way. It's the part of the Milky Way galaxy that goes uh, overhead here in Australia. Every night and winter, you see the spectacular Milky Way running across the sky, or at least you do if you're in the dark outside a city. And if you look along it, you see, the, or you see all the stars, but you see all these dark lanes. Uh, these dark lanes are actually clouds of gas and dust. Those are where the molecules are. And that's essentially what we're mapping. If we scan our telescope across the Milky Way, we're scanning through all these clouds of gas and dust. There turned out to be nearly one billion solar masses of molecular cloud in our galaxy. And we're trying to map the, the, the fourth quadrant, the delta quadrant, the last uncharted part of our galaxy uh, with MOPFA. Well, Michael Burton, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Professor Michael Burton from the University of New South Wales, crowdfunding MOPRA to complete his map of the last uncharted delta quadrant of our Milky Way galaxy. You can support his work by going to tiny.cc slash MOPRA, M-O-P-R-A. Michael Burton will return to Diffusion in future episodes. Star Trek fans out there may have remembered that the delta quadrant of the galaxy was where the starship Voyager was lost and the Borg Collective could be found. Or you could look for a supervillain at Skullcrusher Mountain. Welcome to my secret lair on Skullcrusher Mountain. Hope that you've enjoyed your stay so far I see you've met my assistant Scarface His appearance is quite disturbing But I assure you he's harmless enough He's a sweetheart, calls me master And he has a way of finding pretty things And bringing them to me Picture the two of us alone 
Skullcrusher Mountain by Jonathan Coulton. You can buy his music at jonathancoulton.com. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, helpful suggestions, and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email. So I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network, including 2 Triple H in Hornsby Kringai, 2 NVR in Nambaka Valley, 2 XX in Canberra, and 3 NBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website www.diffusionradio.com That's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for more links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you may like to explore the more than 700 previous episodes that are archived on diffusionradio.com. The shows are indexed by keywords so you can easily find the subjects you'd like to focus on. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. 
everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of sciences found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.